Pastor Brian Young, everybody. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Am I on? I'm on. Praise God. Well, I'm excited to be here. Me too. Word of faith. I love word of faith. Amen. Thank you. Praise God. Don't you open your Bible. We'll be here all night. So, so I, I am honored to be here. My wife and I are always glad to fellowship with you all. I truly married above myself. Praise the Lord. That's right. Dynamite comes in small packages. Come on now. I agree with that. Go ahead and share something with them. Well, first of all, I just want to thank y'all so much. We always feel so welcome when we come here. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you go visit, and then sometimes it's just a family reunion. Amen. And when we come here, it's just a family reunion. That's right. And I, I didn't know that uh, I would have an opportunity to say something. <laughs> but since I have an opportunity to say something, I told you. I want to share this with you because I thought it was so good talking about the way God loves us. And I read this today. This is James 4, 5 through 6 in the Amplified Version. And it says this, Or do you suppose that the Scripture is speaking to no purpose that said, now listen to this, the Spirit whom He has caused to dwell in us yearns over us. Amen. Listen to this. And he yearns for the spirit to be welcomed with a jealous love. Wow. Anybody been loved with a jealous love? Amen. That jealous love that says, don't nobody come close to the one I love. Don't nobody call the one I love or try to rub the one I love. Or, you know, that, that jealous love that says, Anything that comes between me and the one I love is subject to destruction. Mm. Wow. That's powerful. Listen to the rest. Say much more. Much more. And it says, but he gives us more and more grace, which is the power of the Holy Spirit to meet this evil tendencies and all others fully. So that lets us know that there might be temptations in life that come our way, Mm. but the love of God is so jealous toward us that he gives us a power through the Holy Ghost to overcome every single temptation that comes your way. Listen, y'all have much more than you think you have. Amen. Isn't that good? good. You have much more grace. You have much more power. And you have much more anointing than you might think you have. Amen. Listen to the rest of it. It's just so good. That is why he says, God sets himself against the proud and haughty and gives grace continually to the lowly, those who are humble enough to receive it. Amen. How many folks in here humble enough to receive what God has for them today? Listen, a good word is coming your way tonight. Be humble enough to receive it because when you receive it, you'll have the power that comes along with it. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Praise God. (laughs) Glory to God. No, I was saying all that, did you? Yeah. Well, neither did I. I was going to get that mic out your hand, though. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. Y'all get past Natasha a great big hand clap. I I love That's my best friend right there. That's my boo. Amen. Let's all lift our hands and let's, let's just welcome the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you're welcome today. Move up and down every aisle, in and out every row. Touch and make whole now in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for this, another opportunity to minister to these, your precious sheep. Thank you, Lord, for revelation, knowledge flowing freely, uninterrupted and unhindered by any satanic or demonic force. Thank you, Lord, that you speak through my vocal cords. Thank through my mind that my speech and preaching is not with enticing words as in men's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the spirit and power. That faith may not stand in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. Holy Spirit, fall on us tonight. We ask that you sit on us tonight. 
I thank you, Lord, for healings, miracles, signs and wonders, salvations, deliverances now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, I want to get rid of the preliminaries first. First of all, I want to thank uh, Word Power Bible College for coming out tonight in the rain. Amen. Y'all go ahead and stand to your feet and let everybody see who you are. Word Power Bible College, amen. This is Bible College night, and so we said we're going to take a field trip. Amen. Hallelujah. And they're going to help me in just a little bit, but they are ministers of the gospel. Hallelujah. Uh, again, to pastors Jack and Jack, thank y'all so much for the honor of uh, allowing me to minister the word of God. I do have a word, and so I'm going to go ahead and release it tonight. Amen. Uh, sometime in October, I know uh, y'all had Brother Jerry Savelle here not too long ago, probably what, about a month ago or something? Uh, and he always gives a word for the year, 2019. And so I wasn't particularly asking the Lord to give me a word, but he did. Um, about October, my wife and I had just gotten off the road and we were um, taking a rest and just, you know, how you get in that place of sleep and awake. And the word of the Lord came to me. And he said, for 2019, get ready for the much more anointing. And so um, when I heard it, I knew it was the Holy Spirit. But it came uh, across like Brother Tracy Harris. It sounds just like Tracy Harris. Does everyone know Tracy Harris? I'm sure the whole church knows Tracy Harris. Well, he's a spiritual father of ours. And he began to speak. uh, The Lord used his voice to speak into our lives. And so I believe for 2019, for the church, this is the year of the much more anointing. So say that with me. Say, thank you, Lord, that you have prepared me for the much more anointing. Now, I was talking to Pastor Tracy about it and just letting him know what God has shared with me. And he said, well, the reason why the Lord said get ready for the much more anointing is because we're not ready. And so it's time for us to get ready for what God wants to do in these last days. Now, uh, uh, without going too deep into what I want to do, um, we are in the sixth day. And in the sixth day uh, is the day right before the seventh day or the day of rest. Well, in the sixth day is the day of the double portion. And so we are to uh, prepare ourselves and become obedient to what God tells us in these last days because he's going he's to align us to gather in the harvest. And so if we're not positioned and prepared, when God speaks, we're not going to move. And so tonight, I want to release a prophetic word into you so that you are positioned to receive what God is going to do in these last days. Now, he is going to do it. Uh, but you got to be ready to receive it. Amen. Now, uh, let's go, let's look in the scripture. Go to 3 John chapter 1 verse 2. 3 John chapter 1 verse 2. Now, anytime the Lord speaks a prophetic word or he speaks a word through a man of God, He's doing it so that he gives you something to say. See, you will not operate in what God has for you until it's released out into this earth. Well, the Bible says in Amos that God will do nothing in this earth unless he first speaks it to his servants, the prophets. Well, in, in, in the New Testament, the, the prophetic word comes through the Holy Spirit. And so we have the Holy Spirit speaking through us, but he also gives us anointed men and women that will minister the word out so that we can have something to say and something to repeat. You understand what I'm saying? And so we are to release the same words out of our mouth that that comes from your pastors. If your pastor has a theme for this year, you need to be releasing or saying the same thing that he's saying. Amen. Amen? Now, uh, 3 John chapter 1 verse 2 It says this. Now, let's all read this together. I'm in the New King James Bible, uh, but whatever Bible you have, let's just read it, and we'll all get to the same place. Amen? Amen. All right. Ready? 
read, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Again, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. So, we understand then it is the will of God for us to do what? Prosper and to be in health. But now, the prosperity that we walk in And the health that we walk in is dependent upon soul prosperity. So, uh, basically what this scripture is saying is that you have to allow yourself to prosper. You have to permit yourself to prosper. Prosperity and health is the will of God, but it will not fall on you like ripe cherries off of a tree. We have to allow ourselves to walk in prosperity, and we have to allow ourselves to walk in health. Now, what the Lord showed me in this is that we are not waiting on Him. He's waiting on us. Now, you say, what does that mean, He's waiting on us? He's waiting on us to allow ourselves to prosper, and He's waiting on us to allow ourselves to be in health. Now, one day I was praying about my finances, and I think a lot of us pray about finances. And uh, I said, Lord, I'll just be so happy when you bless my finances. Lord, I'll be so happy when you bless my finances. Oh, I just can't wait till you bless my finances. And I just kept praying, and I kept praying, and I kept praying. And then, one, and then, and then finally I got quiet. And I heard the Lord say, you're waiting on me, and I'm waiting on you. Amen. Now, what does that mean? He said, I'm waiting on you to allow yourself Allow your soul to prosper and to be in health. Now, how do we do that? Go to, uh, go to Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. Say, I must prosper and be in health, even as my soul prospers. Now, we're going to deal with that tonight. Joshua 1 and 8. Very familiar passage of Scripture, but we're going we're gonna to find out how to allow our souls to prosper. Now, some of you are looking at me like, well, wait a minute, isn't God just going to do it? Won't he just, you know, isn't he sovereign? Can he just make it happen? Listen, God has done everything he's ever going to do for you. He's already, now... <laughs> I'm going to get on out there and step on out there, so you're just going to have to. God has answered all of your prayers in the form of the finished works of Jesus. He's already done everything he's ever going to do. And we're going to find out that he put all of his ability in you and I. Now, Joshua 1 and 8, how do we allow ourselves to prosper and be in health? Verse 8, this book of the law shall not do what? From your what? But you shall meditate. How long? I told my wife I love her on two occasions. That's day and night. Now, y'all will get that when y'all get home. Now, look at this. That you may observe. That you may observe to do according to all that's written in it for then you shall make your way prosperous and then you shall have what? Good success. So I am to meditate on the word until I see myself doing the word. I am to stay in the word. How am I allowing myself to prosper? How am am I allowing myself to be in good health? I have to meditate in the word of God until I observe to do. Until I observe to do. Everyone say that with me. Until I observe to do. All that is written therein. Then God will make me prosperous. No, the Bible doesn't say that. Read your Bible. What does it say? Then you will make your way prosperous. And you will have good success. God has put the instruments of prosperity, he's put the instruments of health and healing, he's put the instruments of success in you, but you got to allow it. 
Now, how do I allow it? I allow it through the meditation of the Word of God. Now, meditation is not that Eastern thing that the devil has stolen and tried to make it his own. Meditation is from God. And what I do when I meditate is I, I ponder the word, I, I look at the word, I, I speak the word, I let it roll over and over and over and over in my mind until I see myself doing what's in the word. I will never do what's in the word until I see myself doing what's in the word. Oh, you got to catch what I'm saying. So you have to see everything that God has placed within you. You have to see what prosperity looks like. You have to see what health and healing looks like. And you have to see it from the Word. Now, whatever you behold is what you become. Whatever you behold is what you become. Now, I want you to think about this for just a minute. And then we're going to read the Scripture. 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18. Just go there. Do you remember when Jesus came to the disciples walking on the water? Now, let me, let me back up here. Let me, let me help you with something. Whatever you focus on, you strengthen. So if you focus on your problems, you strengthen your problems. If you focus on your circumstance, then you strengthen your circumstance. If you focus on your situations, you strengthen your situations. It's just like driving in a car. Whatever you look at is where you're going. And so whatever you focus on is what you're going to become or what you're going to strengthen. Now, Jesus came to the disciples walking on the what? Water. So in other words, he did the impossible. For most of the church, we have been focusing on all of the impossibilities rather than focusing on the possibilities. Well, God is trying to change you from focusing on the impossibilities, and he's trying to get you to focus on the possibilities. So, Jesus came to the, to the disciples walking on the water. Amen? And while he was walking on the water, the storm was there. Hurricane-sized proportion storm was there like Hurricane Ike, Hurricane Harvey. It was there, and the disciples were afraid. They were so afraid that their vision became distorted. So much so that they questioned the very Jesus that they were seeing. Now, you say, how do you know that? Because Peter said this, Lord, if that be you, do what? Bid me to come to you on the water. Well, what did Jesus say? No, Peter, you hadn't read your Bible enough. Oh, no, Peter, you hadn't read, you hadn't come to church enough. Peter, you hadn't given your tithe. Peter, you hadn't, you know, you hadn't forgiven, you know, all of these things. He didn't say any of that. What did he say? He said, come. Now, he was showing us something here. How did Peter walk on the water? Okay, we, are, we, say, we say by faith, but yeah, okay. So Jesus did what? Walked on the water. He did the impossible. Peter said, if it be you, let me come to you on the water. Jesus said, come. At that word come, Peter stepped out of the boat. There's nothing's going to happen in your life until you first step out of the boat. He stepped out of the boat and did what? focused on Jesus. So as long as he was focusing on Jesus, he was becoming what he was beholding. As long as he was looking at Jesus, he was doing the impossible. What happened once he took his faith or his eyes off of Jesus? He began to sink. Why? Because whatever you focus on, you become. So he looked around and he began to sink. Well, the reason why he sank is because his vision or his sight or his focus was taken off of Jesus. Can I get a better amen than that? So the only way you're going to become what you see in the Bible, the only way you're going to have prosperity, the only way you're going to have health is you must behold this word on prosperity. You must behold this word on health and healing. All right, now, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. Did you find it? 
Now look at this. Now the, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Now, we always think that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Woo, we can run. Woo, we can dance. Woo, we can sing. That's not what he's talking about here. When he says, wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty, he's talking about the liberty to change. So wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, that's why I love this church. Because they allow the Spirit of God to flow in here so that the Spirit of God can give you a new vision. The Spirit of God can give you a new focus. The Spirit of God can give you new eyesight. Why? Because whatever you see is what you become. Glory to God. And so if you want change, you got to see change. So wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty to change. Mm. Then he says this, verse 18, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a what? The glory of the Lord are being transformed or changed into that what? Same image, into the same image, into the same image, from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So as I'm beholding the Word, glory to God, I'm laying a foundation, you got to stay with me. As I'm beholding the Word, I'm becoming what I see. As I'm looking at the Word, see that's why you can't come to church and just leave your Bible or let, wait for them to put it on the screen. You're going to have to get that Bible and let it be more than a, uh, 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 something that you read in church and then leave it on your coffee table. You're going to have to become intimate. Thank you. You have to become intimate with this word because the very word that you're looking at is what you're becoming. The very word that you're beholding is what you're becoming. And you're not trying to be changed to be more and more like you. You're trying to be changed to be more and more like him. Can I say something without y'all getting mad at me? I'm out there now. Okay. Jesus is not trying to keep you alive. I look over here. Pastor, Pastor laughs, so he, I, I can accept that. Jesus is not trying to keep you alive. Jesus is trying to kill you so that he can live. All right, I'll sit over here to my Bible school. Because, you see, here, here's the thing. Our mind has to be renewed. Yeah. See, it's too much self. We have too much self-image. We're, we're trying to become more and more like self. And when you become more and more like self, you become more broke. You become more sad. You become more depressed. You become more, come on, church. You become more of that. But when you become what you behold, which is Jesus, you become more healed. You become more prosperous. You become more out of debt. Why? Because there is no dead in heaven. There is no sadness in heaven. There is no sickness in heaven. So what is God trying to do? He's trying to kill your self-image and give you his image. Yeah. All right, glory to God. Here we go. So let's look now at 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Amen. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Here we go. Ooh, glory. I know where I'm going. I'm, I'm just trying to take my time to get there. Now, are we all there? It says, as his divine power has given to us how many things? How many things? Did he leave some things out? How many things did he give us? That pertain to life and godliness. Now, I want you to write in your Bible, if you have a Bible that you can write in or highlight, put next to that word godliness, put godlikeness. So, he has given us all things that pertain to life and God-likeness 
through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Now look at verse 4. By which have been given to us exceedingly, say much more, exceedingly great and precious promises that through these, through these what? Exceedingly great and precious promises through the much more promises, through the much more great and precious promises, that through these you may be what? Partakers of the divine nature. Okay, now you got to catch what I'm saying here. He's given us much more of his promises, which is his word, so that we are partakers. We take our part of his nature. He's giving you much more of his word so that you can take your part of his nature. Mm. Glory to God. He's giving you all the word that you can handle so that you can take your part of his nature. In other words, he wants you to take all of his nature and become one with his nature so that you can be like Jesus in the earth. Mm. All right. Now, what is his nature? What is his nature? His nature is righteousness. Go to 2 Corinthians 5.21. 2 Corinthians 5.21. Now, say this with me. I am a partaker. I take my part of his nature. If he says, I have the mind of Christ, I take my part. Glory to God. If he says that I'm the righteousness of God, I take my part. If he says that he's health and healing, then I take my part. Now watch this. Don't get afraid. If he says that he's rich, then I take my part. All right. Now let's. Let's validate that. Let's, let's, let's give you some scriptures. 2 Corinthians 5.21. Now, here we go. What is his nature? For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might be made. I, I like what the King James Bible says. The righteousness of God in him. So, his nature is... Righteousness. Now, how did you take your part of his righteousness? Well, let me help you with that. How did Jesus take part of your sin? How did he? Because the Bible says he became sin. He never did any sin. It was never any acts of sin that Jesus did. So how did Jesus take part of our sin and take our sin nature to be a part of his nature? How did he do it? He did it by faith. Oh, glory. He took his part. He became one with our nature, even though he never did any acts of sin. So since he never did any acts of sin, but he became sin, that means since you've never done any acts of righteousness, you are made righteous when you do what? Take your part. Now, how do I take my part? I take my part by faith. See, I'm not trying to, to be perfect. I'm not trying to be right. I'm not trying to do everything uh, 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 perfect. I just take my part. I believe. I believe that I've been made the righteousness of God. Listen, the Bible says that we have been declared righteous. That means that he's called me righteous. I didn't call myself righteous. He called me righteous. So righteousness is my nature. So if I fall, I still fall on righteousness. 
but it's not my righteousness. My righteousness is as what? Filthy rags. And anything that's worse than no righteousness is self-righteousness. So righteousness, glory to God, is my nature. I am in right standing with Jesus. I'm in right standing with the Father. I'm no longer as a slave, I am a son. And I have rights to every promise that God has given me. Come on. Every promise God has promised me, I have a right to it because it's not my nature, it's his nature. And since I'm a part of his nature, now I can take my part as being a son. So whatever he says is mine, since I'm, since I'm righteous, glory to God, I don't have to be afraid to receive it. Now watch this. I have to shift your focus because now we are no longer old sinners saved by grace. Raise your hand if you're born again. Everyone, raise your hand if you're born again. Let me help you. You are no longer a sinner. Wait a minute, Pastor. I sinned yesterday. I know I went off on that person on the highway. I sinned. So you're going to tell me I'm not a sinner? Yes. You are a righteous person that sins. But sin, the act, don't change your nature. Let me ask you a question. When you were out in the club, I know for some of us that was a long time ago, and you did good works when you were in the club, you helped somebody across the street. Barely. Because you needed help across the street yourself. Did that one act of goodness change your nature? You were still a what? Sinner. Why? Not because of what you do that made you a sinner, but because of what Adam did. It was Adam's sin that made us all sinners. So since one man committed an act of sin and made us all sinners, now one man can commit an act of righteousness and make us all righteous. So since one good act don't change your nature to make you become righteous, well then what makes you think that one sin act changes your nature and causes you to become a sinner? It doesn't work. It doesn't work. So I'm taking my part because if I never see myself as righteous, then I'll never have access or I'll never allow myself access to what God says is mine. Oh, glory to God. So say this with me. I'm not a sinner saved by grace. I'm the righteousness of God fighting off the temptation to sin. Now, what is this nature? Uh, go to Isaiah 53. And three, say much more. much more. He's given us much more of himself. Look at verse three. His nature is health and healing. Now watch this. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him, and he was despised, and we did not esteem him. Verse 4, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God, and what? But, that's a good but right there. He was, come on, say it with me. For our transgressions, transgressions are outward sins. But he was bruised for our iniquities. Bru a bruise is an inward pain or inward 
uh, sin. So he was bruised for our iniquities. Iniquity is the motivation to sin. You wouldn't sin out here if you didn't have sin in here. So sin starts in the heart. Mm. But Jesus was wounded for that transgression. He was bruised for that iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. Now all, let's all say this together. And by his stripes we are healed. By his stripes we are healed. That word are, is it past, present, or future? Present. So presently, right now, you are healed. You're not trying to get healed. You're not waiting on God to, to, to do something special. You're not trying to do something special. You're not working your way up to be perfect and maybe Pastor Jack will come and lay his hands on you and rub. No, uh-uh. You are already healed. So healing is his nature. And I must do what? Take my part. Now watch this. So since I am healed, when sickness comes, I don't claim to be sick. I'm not the sick trying to get healed. I'm taking my part. I am the healed of God fighting off the temptation to be sick. Now, a lot of us will probably question what I'm saying because you feel pain. You feel hurt in your body. So immediately what we do is we begin to call ourselves sick. But sick is not your reality. Help me. Somebody help me. Sick is not your reality. Your reality is that you are healed. Yeah. Healing is who you are. Second Peter, uh, uh, what is it, 1 Peter 2.24? It says, by his stripes you were healed. So 2,000 years ago, you were healed. Jesus took stripes on his back so that you can walk in healing. So why do we dishonor the stripes that Jesus took on his back and allow ourselves to stay sick? Can I help you? We're talking about the much more, right? The Bible says that Jesus was so marred that he didn't even look like a man. Now, one little drop of blood could have saved us all. One little drop of blood. But Jesus exaggerated. Exaggerasso in the Greek. He exaggerated his death so that you could have exaggerated healing. He had much more healing that you will ever need. Why? Because he dropped his blood from his head. He dropped his blood from his hands. He dropped his blood from his feet. He dropped his blood from his side. He dropped his blood from all of these places just so that you could walk in exaggerated much more health. So you are not the sick trying to get healed. You're the healed of God fighting off the temptation to be sick. Say that with me. I'm not the sick trying to get healed. I'm the healed of God fighting off the temptation to be sick. All right, finally, go to 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. What is his nature? His nature is abundance and wealth. Here we go. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became what? That you through his might someday, somehow, work your way up to have a few pennies, and get out of debt when you work real hard. You're what? You're rich. Say, I'm rich. Rich is not a dirty word. I'm looking at some of you. I say, say, rich. Rich. 
Say rich. Rich. Say I'm rich. I'm rich. Why are you rich? Because he became poor. Jesus became poor for you and I so that we don't have to be poor. Jesus came, first message he preached was the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to do what? Preach the gospel to the poor. What's the gospel to the poor? You don't have to be poor anymore. You don't have to be poor anymore. Guess what? I got good news for you. You don't have to be poor. As a matter of fact, I'm going to change your nature. I'm going to take your nature, and I'm going to give you my nature, and I'm going to give you rich nature. My nature is rich, so your nature is rich. So say this with me. I'm not the poor trying to get rich. I'm the rich of God fighting off the temptation to be poor. Now, all of that is good. All of that, what I just said, is good. You can shout over being healthy. You can shout over being the righteousness of God. You can shout over being rich. But why is it that so many Christians are not manifesting that good news? Why? Number one, it has to be preached. That's why it is not okay. And I was praying on the way up here, Pastor Jax. And let me just tell you. The Lord wanted me to tell you, 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and 20. Trust in the Lord your God, so shall you be established. Trust in his prophets, so shall you prosper. Listen to me, West Houston Christian Center. Your prosperity is not in how hard you're going to work. Your prosperity is not in your 401k. Your prosperity is not in an inheritance from your grandmother that you're hoping to die soon. Don't shout me down just because I'm preaching real good. Your prosperity is in the mouth of your pastors. So do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as some do in the last days because when they are releasing words out of their mouth if you say pastor pray with me I need a new house if he agrees with you and you trust the word of your pastor guess what get ready for that new house because your prosperity is in their mouths are y'all hearing what I'm saying so why aren't we manifesting it It's not being preached, number one, but I know these pastors are preaching it. Number two, we are not seeing it. We can't see it. Now, let me give you an illustration. Go to 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Because the Bible said of Jesus that he, he taught them in parables. So anytime God wanted to get a spiritual truth into the earth, he always used a natural illustration. And I think what's wrong is that if you can't see it, you will never get it. So the reality is you're prosperous. The reality is you're healthy. The reality is you're righteous. But until you see it, you'll never get there. So it's not about you knowing about it. It's about a revelation. Now, Can somebody read it for me? Because I can't get there quick enough. It said, uh, I'm there. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be what? Preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, say this with me. I am a spirit. I I have a soul. soul. Made up of my mind. mind. Will. Will and emotions and I live in a physical body you're not a body you are a spirit you don't have to keep repeating me now I, you're not a body you are a spirit you have a soul your soul is housed in your spirit and that spirit and soul part of you lives in your physical body now 
The question was, if we have all of God's nature, why are we not seeing more of God's nature out here? God, if you're so good, why aren't we seeing the miracles? God, if you're so good, why aren't we seeing the signs and wonders? God, if we're so good, why aren't we seeing the health and healing and all of the things that you promised us that we would receive as being partakers of your nature? Why aren't we seeing it? Let me show you. Let me call up some of my Bible school students. Come on up here. Uh, Troy, Leslie, and Mitch, give them a hand clap. Now, I want you to say this with me. Y'all, just stand right here. I want you to say this with me. Jesus put it all in me. He put his healing in you. He put his prosperity in you. He put his, he put his righteousness in you. Okay, y'all come over here. Where, where are my things? I got props. All right. All right. So, Troy is the spirit. That's a spirit. That's a good spirit right there. That's a good spirit. Him spirit. Leslie is the soul. I made her the woman because, you know, the women control everything. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and Mitch is the body. Okay? Spirit, soul, body. Now, this is one person. This is the born-again believer. Now, you two switch. For the most part, when we first get born again, our spirit is smaller than our bodies. Now, what do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, what I mean is the spirit man is like a baby. The Bible says, as newborn babes desire the what? Sincere milk of the word that you may do what? Grow thereby. And so your spirit man is like a baby and it needs to be fed. But the body is strong because it's taught and trained by this five physical sense world. So it's trained to believe what it hears. It's trained to believe what it sees. It's trained to believe what it smells. It's trained to believe what it feels. And it's trained to believe what it tastes. Tastes, all right? So the spirit, God says, now that you're born again, I give you my righteousness. Now that you're born again, I put my health and healing in you. Now that you're born again, I put my prosperity in you. Now, it's all in you. Right? right? But why don't we see it out here? The soul. The soul is the most important being that you, ha- you have. Part of your being. If you don't take care of the soul, the devil will oblige. Mm -hmm. And let me say this, whatever you avoid, Satan will invade. Mm -hmm. So if you get born again, and that's why discipleship is so important, because you get born again in here, but unless we disciple you, you'll, you'll have all of this in you, but you'll never grow and see manifestation out here. Now, so... So the soul usually is hooked up with the body, with the flesh. So move over a little bit. So if the body says, I'm sick, the soul says, yeah, I believe that. And it stays sick. If the body says, I'm I'm broke, the soul says, yes, I believe that. And it stays broke. Mm -hmm. If the the body says, well, you know, I I feel like an old dirty sinner. Soul says, yeah, I believe that. And it stays an old dirty sinner. Mm -hmm. Even though... Righteousness in you, prosperity is in you, health and healing is in you. But since the body and the soul are so connected together, it cuts off the flow of the spirit. So the Bible says this, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye what? Transformed or changed by the what? Renewing of your mind. So you're going to have to take the word of God. Somebody help me. Give me a Bible. So you're going to have to start taking the word of God, and you're going to have to start renewing this soul. So the soul has to look at that. I'm healed. The soul has to look at I'm prosperous. The soul has to look at I am the righteousness of God. And as it's doing that, the soul begins to slowly move over and connect to the spirit. Yeah. 
Now, as the soul continues to receive the word, guess what's happening in the spirit? The spirit and the body are switching places. Now, all of this is in the spirit. Mm, mm, mm. So now, connect. So now that the soul has been renewing its mind to believe the word, now when the body says, I'm sick, the spirit says, I have healing for you. The soul, which is lined up with the word, says, I believe that. And it begins to funnel health and healing to the body. Well, that's not it. Now, body says, well, had a drink last night. I feel like a sinner. Spirit says, oh, wait, oh, 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 oh. I got something for you. Spirit says, wait a minute, man, you righteous. The soul says, I believe that. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Not because of what I do out here, but because of who I am in here. I am the righteousness of God. So therefore, the righteousness of God is funneled through the soul and it begins to hit the body. And it doesn't matter how you feel, you're still the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But now, prosperity. It's gone. I need some money. I'm going to pray to the Lord and ask me... Give him some money. But you have everything you need right here. You have everything you need right here. The problem is we're not seeing it out here because we haven't allowed our soul to be renewed to what God has put in here. He's put his nature in you. He's put his riches in you. He's put his abundance in you. He's put his provision in you. But we are not going to see it out here until the soul begins to say, I believe that I am the rich of God. And then we'll see the transfer from the soul into the physical body. Now, now, give me these. Here's the problem. Y'all hook up. Now, go, y'all switch places. Don't hurt her. Okay? Here's why Christians struggle. When the body is stronger than the spirit, when you need manifestation, but the body don't feel it, guess what? It's going to lean. Guess where the soul is going to lean? Go ahead. It's going to lean towards the body. Why? Because when your body is strong, then you're going you're gonna to manifest only what you feel, only what you see, only what you hear, only what you taste, only what you smell. You're only going to manifest that. But guess this. Guess what? Switch. But if the spirit is strong, and you might have messed up yesterday. You might have been broke yesterday. You might have been sick yesterday. But the body says, I am the, I mean, the spirit says, I'm the righteousness of God. I am the healed of God. I am the prosperous of God. So guess what? It begins to pull on the soul. And guess where the soul is going to go? It's going to go where the spirit says. And that's when you begin to see manifestation. Amen. Y'all give him a hand clap. So do y'all see that picture? So what do we need to do? We need to begin to see ourselves in our soul prosper. We need to begin to see ourselves in our soul be in good health. We need to see ourselves in our soul be the righteousness of God. What did we say earlier? You have to allow it. God is not going to make it. You have to allow it. Amen. Now, I'm going to finish up here. Go to Philemon chapter 1 verse 6. Or a table of contents. Philemon, or table of contents, New Testament, chapter 1, 
Verse 6, Pastor, help me. How do I see the much more anointing in my life? How do I see much more healing? How do I see much more prosperity? How do I see much more righteousness? Well, watch this. Verse 6, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you. By the acknowledgement of every good thing that's in you. That's it. So now pain is in your body. Doctor says you, you, you have cancer. But you say, Jesus was wounded for my transgression. He was bruised from my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. So the doctor said, I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm seeing here that you're going to die. And, and ooh, let me say this. The doctor has every right to diagnose your problem, but he has no right to tell you or prophesy your future. He has no right to tell you that. You can say, thank you very much for your report, but this is the report I'm going to believe. Jesus was wounded for my transgression. He was bruised for my iniquity. The chastisement of my peace was upon him, and with his stripes I am healed. He says, he, he, he said, you don't look here. I'm not, I'm not going by what I look like. I say I am healed because Jesus made me healed, and I'm acknowledging every good thing that God has put on the inside of me. You look at the bank account, and it's negative $462. Husband said, what are we going to do? He said, I don't know about this, but the Bible says Jesus became poor. That I, through his poverty, might be rich. My God supplies all of my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So I don't know about this red right now. All I know is that I am the rich of God, and I'm acknowledging everything that God has put on the inside of me. Somebody may say, well, I saw what you did yesterday. You look like an old sinner. Saw you cheating on your wife. Saw you. I don't say, I don't know who you was looking at. That wasn't me. (laughs) But you can go back and say, I don't know about what you think I am, but I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus became sin that me, that I through his uh, sin nature become righteous and I take his righteous nature. I'm acknowledging every good thing that's in me. Amen? Amen. So the number one way to manifest the much more anointing is that number one, you must see it, and number two, you must acknowledge it. One more scripture. Can I give you one more scripture? Psalms 105.37. Y'all doing all right? I'm trying to bring you to manifestation. Psalms 105, verse 37 and 38. Two more scriptures. Psalms 105, verse 37 and 38. Now, this is what the Lord did with the Israelites when he brought them out of Egypt. And I believe in the Bible, it says in Ecclesiastes, there's nothing new under the sun. If God did it one time, he's going to do it again. So I believe this was just a dry run for what he's about to do in the church. So the Bible says in verse 37, he brought them out with what? And there was what? Among his tribes. And watch this. And Egypt was glad when they departed. The world is in turmoil right now. The Bible says in James that the world has finances that is becoming a testimony against them. And we're seeing it in the news today. We're seeing people who are very wealthy starting to get exposed. Why? Because the wealth of the wicked is stored up. And guess what? It's about to move in the hands of the righteous. Now watch this. He did what? He brought them out with silver and gold and there was not one sick person among their tribe and in in other words 
There was no broke person leaving the world, and there was no sick person leaving the world. God is about to beautify the church. He says, I'm coming for a church that's not broke, busted, and disgusted, but I'm coming for a church that's glorious. In other words, before we're raptured off of this earth, we're going to have plenty of health and plenty of wealth. But now, how did they get to this manifestation of health and wealth? Go to Exodus 12, 3 through 11. Final scripture. All right, y'all ready to get to manifestation? Are you sure you're ready to get to manifestation? Yes, sir. All right, here we go. Here we go. Put your seatbelt on. Number three, verse three. Speak to all the congregation of West Houston Christian Center, saying, on the 10th of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the persons. According to each man's need, you shall make your account for the lamb. Verse 5, for your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year, you may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now look at verse 6. Now, you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month, then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight, and they shall take some of the blood. Everyone say, take the blood. And apply it to the doorpost. And on the lintel of the houses where they, where they eat it, then they shall eat the flesh on that night Roasted in fire with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs, they shall eat it. Do not eat it raw, nor boil at all with water, but roast it in fire. Its head, its legs, now watch this, and its entrails. Mm. In other words... Eat the whole lamb. Eat everything from the lamb. Partake of everything from the lamb. Every part. Eat that part. Even the undesirable parts that don't really feel good or don't really taste good. Eat that part. You can't eat some of the lamb and expect to walk in prosperity. You can't eat some of the lamb and expect to walk in health and healing. You can't eat some of the lamb and expect to be the righteousness of God. You're going to have to eat the whole lamb. So maybe God says... You must be filled with the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Well, I don't feel like that's for today. You got to eat the whole lamb. Well, maybe God says he wants you to prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. But I think that we should all be rich and maybe, I mean, we should all be poor. Maybe God will and maybe God won't. No, you got to eat the whole lamb. Maybe... Your pastor says, healing is for today, and let me lay hands on you, and you're going to get your body healed, but I don't believe in healing. Healing is gone. No, you got to eat the whole lamb. Because if you don't eat the whole lamb, then you can't walk in prosperity. If you don't eat the whole lamb, then you can't walk in health and healing. If you don't eat the whole lamb, then you can't be the righteousness of God. Jesus said, you can't leave part of me over here and part of me over there. You can't preach some gospel over here and preach another gospel over there. You're going to have to preach the whole lamb. My God. You can't bit peace Jesus. Jesus called you righteous, you say I'm righteous. I don't care what it feels like, I'm the righteousness of God. Jesus said get filled with the Holy Ghost and I'm going to get filled with the Holy Ghost. Watch this. It says eat the entrails. Parts that may not feel good or be desirable. 
If he said forgive, eat the whole lamb. But you don't know what they did to me, Pastor. That part doesn't taste good. That part doesn't feel good. Well, the only way you can walk in divine health, the only way you can walk in divine prosperity, the only way you can take your part of his righteousness is you must eat the whole lamb. And with that, let the church say amen. Amen. Come on, give God praise. Amen. I tried my best not to go long. Amen. I want to do something real quickly, just real quickly. If you're in here today and you've been lacking in some, some area or you've been struggling to receive from God in some area, I want you to stand to your feet. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm not going to make a spectacle. I'm not going to do nothing crazy. Just... We're going to get to a place called repentance. Repentance doesn't mean change your behavior. Repentance means you choose to change the way you think about God's nature and what God says. In these last days, you're going to have to be like Mary, the mother of Jesus. Whatever he tells you to do, just do it. If he tells you to go and gather in all the fragments, don't step on them, gather them. If he tells you to walk in love with people that don't look like you, may not be your same skin color, love them. And that don't mean love them while you're in church. That means even in your tent. Because the Bible said that Jesus, I mean, the, the, the Father heard them murmuring in their tent. So while they were in the congregation, they were all getting along. How you doing, brother? Bless you, brother. God bless you, brother. But when you get home, you're talking about those people. It's no longer those people and us people and we people. It is God's people. So if you've been struggling in an area to receive from God, today I want you to repent. I want you to repent. I want you to, and I'm not going to call you up front. I'm not going to lay hands on you. We're just, we're just going to say a prayer of repentance. 